So back in 2011, I was in the middle of seminary, and one of my friends on campus who was my, I looked up to him as the greatest physical specimen. He was a former college basketball player and just like just jacked out of his mind. And he was doing this crazy workout and he invited me to join him. He was like, dude, it's like this new thing. It's going to be so popular. It's going to take over the world. It's going to blow up. And he said it was called CrossFit. So I was like, sure, I'll give that a try. So I, I don't actually remember what we did that day. But all I remember is for like 20, 30 minutes just laying in a pool of my sweat, can't feel my legs, trying not to vomit. And from that moment on, I was completely hooked. I drank the Kool-Aid real, real hard. CrossFit quickly became my favorite hobby and how I spent nearly all my time outside of my major responsibilities. I went and bought the clothes and the shoes. I was watching the videos online. I was following the, the professionals and their, and their social media pages. I was studying the different disciplines and movements. I was practicing constantly. I tried to live at the gym. I wanted to be there minimum five times a week. And then I took it even further. It eventually became a job. I went and got my certification. I interned at a local gym here in Boston. I started coaching classes and teaching seminars, doing personal training. I was having tons of fun, super passionate, completely all in. But something that I wasn't expecting from this experience was how much people around me would label me as the CrossFit guy. And there were so many situations where people associated me with it even if it were like a stretch or not at all the topic of conversation. And so, for example, we would be hanging out amongst friends, and very commonly, people would volunteer me without my permission for manual labor that I did not want to do. So we're hanging out, watching a football game with friends, and people would be chatting in different corners of the room. I'd be on the other side of the room, and I'd hear people talking. Oh, yeah, I got like ordered a new couch. It's coming in this week. Ah, oh, it's going to be a pain carrying that up the stairs. And then in the conversation, I hear, oh, don't worry about it. Danny will help you move the couch. I'm like, okay, I don't mind helping you, but there are 10 people in this room who are just as capable, probably stronger than me, can help too. But I was always getting volunteered for manual labor without my permission. Another thing that happened all the time was we'd be at someone's birthday party or hanging out or something, and, you know, there would be, like, Doritos or wings or, like, ice cream or the birthday cake. And I would go and, like a normal human being, get my slice of cake, get my Doritos. And at least four or five times, people would look at me with this eye. Don't you do CrossFit? Why are you eating ice cream? And I would get judged for what I ate. And it was a bit much, frankly, sometimes annoying to be volunteer, to be everyone's mover without my permission. But the high frequency of these types of interactions made me realize that whether or not you're consciously bringing it up with people, others are going to notice what you're really passionate about. I wasn't going around trying to evangelize people to convert to CrossFit. If anything, the more people told me to move people's couches, the more quiet I kept about it. I didn't want people to know that I did it anymore. I was sick of people judging me every time I got an ice cream cone. But it was unavoidable. When you're really, really passionate and gung-ho and bought in and drinking the Kool-Aid of anything, it's clear to the people in your life, to the people around you. Maybe you have that experience for yourself personally, or you know a friend, you're thinking about someone right now. They're associated with some sort of hobby or interest or passion. They're the ball is life guy. Whenever you see them, you picture them with flip-flops and like a gym bag around their shoulder. Like that's the only thing, like clothes you, you picture them wearing. Some of you, you're the foodie. And everyone knows that, like, they always see your, your Yelp reviews. Oh, that's my friend. Like, and if there's a new restaurant show, it's the first person you talk to. Oh, have you gone to that place yet? Someone who loves travel, who's been to the most countries, and people always ask you for the tips on what to do when you visit a certain country or place. 
when your heart is really, really into something, people are going to see that about you, they're going to know that about you, and they're going to connect it with you. At the beginning of Paul's letter to the Philippians, I think we're able to see this exact scenario happen to the Apostle Paul in his jail cell. We said in, in week one that the letter of Philippians is written uh, by the Apostle Paul in Rome in a terrible setting, in a suffering, gross, probably really unhygienic, just torture chamber of a jail cell in Rome. And, but somehow we're able to see that the jailers, the people who are imprisoning him, were able to know what he was most passionate about. And so let's read just a quick verses um, in, in chapter 1. He says this in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What he means by what has happened to me, he means being thrown in prison. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So Paul is suffering in jail, and it seems that his spiritual influence is somehow spreading. We don't know the exact details, but we do know these details that he said here. It's powerful enough that he says very specifically his imprisonment is advancing the gospel. Let's not mistake this for Paul being such a good Christian that in jail he's going around and evangelizing to all the prison guards and holding Bible studies and inviting all the, the imperial guard to join him as he, as he talks about scripture. He's locked up. He's chained. This is a torture chamber type of jail. It's not like the prisons that we have today. It's, he's in really bad physical shape. He's probably barely eating and drinking. I think it wasn't him walking around and evangelizing on his free time. It was his passion being unavoidably visible and just coming out of him, so much so that the Roman soldiers and prison guards are able to see what this guy or who this guy is most passionate about. We're now in week three of our Philippian series that we're calling Shine. And the point of it, we're talking about how we as the people of God shine like stars, how we display God to the world around us. And I think we're able to see here that Paul is shining like a star brightly in the darkness of a gross prison cell. And I feel that this great impact he's making amongst the imperial guard advancing the gospel, it must have to do with Paul's greatest passion. He's not the football guy or ball is life guy. He's not the CrossFit guy or the baking and cooking person or the foodie or the travel, you know, whatever, the golf guy, the soccer guy. He's clearly the Jesus guy. And we will see that through and through right here in our text for this morning in chapter 3. We're going to see that very, very clearly. So if you're willing and able, I want to invite everyone to rise as we just read this short passage together. I'll read this on our behalf in Philippians 3. Starting from verse 7, Paul says this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, you may be seated. So it's important for us to understand the context which Paul is bringing up these thoughts of, I count all as lost for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus as my Lord. Paul is first in the verses above, uh, right before the passage that I just read for us. He's addressing an issue that Jews had in the time in taking this like ugly and not healthy and even harmful pride in their ethnic heritage. So it was a problem that, that, that led Jews feeling 
feeling and both acting superior to non-Jews or Gentiles. They would feel that they're better and like they would look down on other people because of their ethnic and their religious heritage. And this was even the case amongst Jews to Jews. So they would compare, well, I'm from this line and my blood is purer than yours. And it created this, this classism and this air of superiority and severe judgment based upon how perfectly Jewish you were. The more Jewish your resume was, the more condescending you might be towards other people. And so Paul goes on this rant in the verses right before the passage. He's like, these proud and cocky and and just boastful people, they think they have anything to stand upon. Our heritage is not important, but even if it were, even if it were, Paul's like, get in the back of the line because I have the best resume. I shut all of you down. You think you have some reason to be cocky, you have zero. And then he lists, point by point, reasons why he should be the most proud and most superior because of his background, his ethnicity, his upbringing, his training, his accomplishments. Essentially, Paul goes on this, he lists like a resume. If you were applying to grad school, he would have put, I have a 4.0 GPA, I have a perfect score on my entrance exam, I have the best list of extracurriculars, and I graduated from Harvard or Yale or Stanford, wherever, Ivy League. And immediately after, he lists this boastful resume, he slams it all down. And that's where we get to our passage. All of that is meaningless. He calls it loss. And then in the text that we read, he calls it rubbish. Many commentators say he curses here. Using this word for rubbish could have been used for like fecal matter. In English, it's like if he said like horse S-word, Dog S-word, bull S-word. It's all crap. Doggy doo-doo. That's what Paul says. There's no reason to take any pride in this. There's only one thing that's important. Nothing matters but knowing Jesus. Paul writes, all is loss. All is rubbish compared to knowing and gaining Christ as my Lord. And so I imagine Paul was someone you couldn't interact with without seeing, like, Jesus just, like, ooze out of his being, like this aura that followed him around, the smell and sense that he had about him, like a shadow, always being the Jesus guy, so passionate, so much so that while the dude is suffering, and remember he almost died in Epaphroditus week one, almost died because of how unhygienic and unhealthy the place must have been, so much so that it's still coming out of him that his oppressors are starting to receive and accept the gospel. See, following this example that Paul sets here is one way we can shine like stars in this world. We shine when our passion is shown to all those around us and when it's clear that the most important thing in your life is to know Jesus, is to know Christ as your Lord. And so my single and and just simple encouragement for us all this morning is that we would grow in our passion for knowing Christ. That's how we shine in this world. But what do we mean by that? What does it mean to know Christ? It obviously isn't just like cognitively to know about him. Knowing Jesus, as Paul puts it here, it means two things. To have a personal relationship with Jesus that leads to conformity of life to Jesus personal relationship with Jesus plus conformity of life to Jesus. And my simple way to put it is in this little math equation that I put here in the slide. Knowing Jesus equals, is an easier way to remember it, 
loving plus imitating him. If our goal to shine like stars and to display Christ to the world is to have a passion and growing desire to know Jesus, it means that we are loving him more and then imitating him more. So the main point of the message, let us grow, Cornerstone, in our loving and our imitating Jesus. There are, of course, a lot of ways for us to do that. In fact, I hope that every sermon is is somewhat a way to do that. Uh, But I want to do one little specific exercise together that we can try this morning in self-reflection. So think about it now. Ask yourself, is it clear to you that you are on the road pursuing a deeper loving and imitating Jesus? Ask yourself that. Would others, would your roommate, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your community, would they see that you're on that road? Would they see some element of you really love this Jesus guy coming out of your life? And here's one way we can do that test. So let's look at verses 7 through 8 again. But this time, I left blanks. Every place that he says, Christ or Jesus, or Christ as my Lord. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing or of, of blank. For this sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain What's filling that blank for you in your life today? What do you want the most? What do you take the most pride in? Or maybe the most insecure about? Sometimes those things go hand in hand. When you think about your time, your energy, your money, your daydreams, your hopes, what takes up most of those resources? For some of us, it might be more popularity. Others of us, it might be having or meeting or finding the perfect spouse or having the perfect kids. Many of us are in school, and maybe that means the best grades in order to get the best resume, in order to get the best career. Some of you are in the middle of that career, and it means more status. When you daydream your energy, and when you think about your time and hunger and your grind, it's for promotions. A lot of us, it's for more money. Maybe some of you, it has something to do with your parents, whether their approval or pleasing them or supporting them or gaining their respect. Some of us, it's better looks and appearance physically. Other of us, it's early retirement, some sort of financial security or ease in life. A simple application for today is for us to identify what's taking the place of your greatest passion being knowing Jesus more. Maybe it's one of these things that I just listed. Maybe it's something else. I want to encourage you to meditate on that today. If success in your career is what is taking the place of Jesus as your ultimate desire, or if any of these things, the goal isn't for you to stop caring. That's not my point. And that's not the application. The point is to redeem it instead. Redeem what's taking the place of Christ in your heart and redeem it for the sake of knowing Christ. So for example, if it's your career, I'm not saying quit your job or or do poorly or make sure that your next performance review, your boss is like, you don't care about this. That's not the point. 
Be passionate about your career. Continue to be. But be passionate not for the sake of gaining more success or pride in this world or money or advancement. Do it for the sake of Christ. Do it for the sake so that you could love Jesus through it and in there and also imitate him there. Do it because you want to be an example of Christ in your profession. You want to live in a way that shows what Jesus would be like if he were an engineer in the office place or on a Zoom call, if he were a nurse in the hospital or clinic, if he were an accountant in the cubicle or a student in the classroom or a teacher in the classroom. What if we cared so much about our jobs because of our pursuit of knowing Christ more, that it would be a means of our love for him and certainly an environment and an arena, a sports-like field for us to imitate him. Maybe it's physical appearance. It's taking over the place of your greatest passion. It's bumped knowing Jesus out of the way because you just want to look a certain way. I'm not saying give up caring about your body. Redeem that desire. Care for your body and stewardship of what God has given you because you only get one. Love your body as God created it and designed it to function. And then imitate Christ with your body, using it in service towards others. So what's filling in the blank for you today? What would people observe in you? What would others say is your greatest passion and desire right now? And how can you redeem it so that knowing Jesus is your greatest passion and this area of your life is a way for you to live that out? I want to challenge all of us to consider that today and this week. I hope that your small groups and CGs this week, that you're able to wrestle through that together. If if anybody here is brave and you're signed up for a CG or a small group, if you're brave... Ask your small group this week, what guy or gal am I? And then be ready for an honest response. Oh, when I think of you, I think of blank. And then chew on why that is. Why people make that connection with you. And then how can you take that thing and turn it and transform it into something that's clear that through that, your greatest heart's desire is to know Jesus more. It's 12 years later now, and I'm still doing CrossFit. And honestly, I think I will forever. I can't imagine, like, doing anything else, even as long as I'm healthy. Like, I want to do it until I'm 80. But with that said, my relationship with it has definitely changed. I, I don't volunteer and go to events and competitions anymore. I can't remember the last time I watched a YouTube video. I don't buy new clothes and shoes and all the, like, trendy new, like, companies. I'm not obsessed with getting better every day and, move, like, mastering it. I don't have strict regimens or goals anymore. I do eat ice cream. Stop judging me for that. I love ice cream. I'm no longer chugging the Kool-Aid. It's something I really enjoy, but it's not my greatest passion. And interestingly enough, nobody asks me to help them move anymore. People don't call me the CrossFit guy anymore. And I hope that that is a result of of my past obsession with fitness being redeemed and now being a healthier relationship, not an obsession with fitness, but a healthy relationship with fitness that's grown into a spiritual discipline because it's transformed into something about honoring Christ through my body, the only one that I get that he's given me to steward. And I hope that what's noticeable to people around me is that I take care of my body well for the sake of Christ, not that I am obsessed with a particular regimen. I hope that as more time passes by, that I've become less and less about the the CrossFit guy 
and more and more about the Jesus guy who attends the gym often. I want to invite you today to keep taking steps down this road of a growing passion for knowing Jesus, of loving him and then imitating him. And if you're not there at all, some of you might not be there at all. You're just exploring. I want to invite you to think about what it might look like for you to actually order your life in this way. And I'm praying, and I want to ask you to pray as well, that you ask God to deepen inside of your soul a strong desire to know Jesus, to get to the place that Apostle Paul was, where he considered everything else as loss and horse poop in order to gain Christ. The Apostle Paul is someone we can look up to certainly, but he wasn't angelic. He was a human being. Each and every one of you have just as much of uh, the capability and the power of God in you for you to get to that place too. And I believe that we will. Let's run down a road of growing and loving Jesus, of loving Jesus, imitating him more in our lives. And my prayer is that for you and your families and your friend groups and certainly Cornerstone, if someone ever bumps into you in the street and they're like, oh, you go to Cornerstone, I've heard of that church. My hope is that the people's assumption they would make of you is that, man, those people really, really, really love pursuing Jesus Christ. And so would you just join me in prayer now as we commit ourselves, our lives, but our community, our church in that. I want to give us space um, to pray. Just please just uh, spend this moment praying silently on your, as your, on your own because I would love all of our voices and our souls to be connected in this purpose, especially as we are seated in, next to each other, as we're here in this room together, as, as some of our friends are watching online. Just in your soul, would you just lift up a simple prayer? You can phrase it differently. Or you can use my words verbatim. God, help Cornerstone be most known for a passion for Jesus. Even if you're a newcomer here, maybe you're traveling, you're just in Boston for the weekend and you're just stopping by, could you pray that for us too? If you're a member here, a long-timer, if you're an official member here especially, can you pray that with, with us? God, would, would, would what is most known about this community and that just shines and just follows us like a shadow and like an aura that's like, you know, buzzing around Cornerstone and Cornerstone people, would it be a passion for knowing Christ? I don't know how many of us are in the room right now and watching at home, maybe 100, 150, whatever. I would love for 150 of those prayers to be reaching the heavens right now. Now I invite you to think for yourself. What fills in that blank? What do you daydream about the most? Maybe you hate your job right now and so it's, oh, like I just want a new job and there's nothing else that takes most, about, most of your mental space but getting into a new place in your life. Maybe it's family, something related, parents, kids, spouse, whatever. Maybe it's, want, maybe it's respect. You just want people to respect you. I don't know what fills in, your blank, uh, it fills in the blank for you today, uh, but you do. How might you redeem 
that type of energy and the daydreams and the passion and that into making it really all about, at the end of the day, loving Christ and imitating him through that thing. I invite you to just pray over your own soul right now.